the beginning of this year, the Remember Challenge on TikTok came out. TikTok, what do you call people on TikTokers? Thank you. All right. TikTokers uh, formed a new trend using the phone torch to light up and create this epic concert feel using Becky Hill's song, Remember. It's a song that tackles complex emotions, difficult subject matters, and raising questions about love and loss and letting go. The theme of remember is the struggle to move on from a past love and relationship. And the lyrics describe the experience of being haunted by the memories of their former partner, causing pain and suffering in the present. Longing for the person to come back, despite knowing they should let go and just move on. It's one line, a couple of lines state, every time I close my eyes, I see your face. It doesn't matter where I am, it's always the same. It's hard to think about when you're not here. And I miss the sound of your voice in my ear. Some of y'all have no idea who Becky Hill is or the song Remember or even what TikTok is. That's fine. So I asked this instead, do you remember your first love? That, that's what she's basically asked. Do you remember your first love of, of sitting by the phone at the landline be, waiting for them to call? And you're not going to go out and play. You're not going to go out and hang with friends because they promised. And you know, if anybody else calls, it's going to hold up the line. And then when you finally get to talk to them, you just want to hear them breathe, fall asleep with the phone, or whispering so your parents thought you were asleep, but yet you were just still, still there. Puppy love. My grandfather used to say, puppy love may not be real to you, but it sure is real to the puppy. Oh my goodness, and then your first heartbreak. Oh, I didn't eat for two weeks. My friends thought I was doing an old school Pentecostal fast, and it was just, I was heartbroken. <laughs> this is how we think of love. Love is this emotional roller coaster, the relationships we put ourselves in or out of. Love the memories we hold on to, and even the hopes of the memories we will make together with the one we love. Our definition of love is often easy. It's different than what Matthew is getting at in this passage. See, Jesus, in these stories, when talking about love, is, is heart and soul and body and mind and demanding every bit of who you are. It's risky. 
It's not easy. It leads you into so many situations and even paths you may not want to go on. That's the point of the story we continue to get through the Gospels about love, that, that Jesus' love for each of us and love for God took him into dangerous paths. And the call to love isn't because it's easy. It's because it's necessary. So Jesus answers the Pharisees' question that they continue to try to put him to the, into a trap. And so Jesus takes them back to the law. Takes them back to Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your life, with all your mind. And then he goes a little further and he brings in Leviticus 19, 18 saying, and another is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But understand, Jesus is taking the love your neighbor as yourself into a totally different aspect. Because when we're reading in Leviticus, this part that they're talking about is their neighbor is just like you and me. We get along, we vote the same way, we hang out the same way, we eat the same thing, and we go to the same grocery store. Similarly, you know. But Jesus, when he's getting to your neighbor, he is expanding this to those even outside your tribe and tradition. So while Jesus may dip into what the Pharisees know and the law, he's making it even harder than what love already is. That throughout the Hebrew Bible, we continue to see this theme of hospitality. Even the prophets point out that the reason the nation Sodom and Gomorrah failed and was pushed off was because it was inhospitable. And that love comes with being hospitable to anyone around. There is a, a famous story in the Talmud where a first century sage once paraphrased Leviticus 19, 18 for a non-Jew saying, whatever is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the entire Torah. The rest is commentary. Now go out into the world and study. Jesus hangs all of the Torah on these commandments. Jesus hangs all of teachings defined by love. Love. And let's be honest, at times we use love as an excuse. We use love as a way to not go into the things that we don't want to talk about. We, we use it as neutrality and prayers and thoughts rather than action. As one put it, uh, 
how frequently love is code for smiling at biblical illiteracy and winking at theological incompetence. We've taken the difficult journey of love and tried so hard to make it easy, to make it just a little more bearable and less uncomfortable. To quote a dear professor, an undergrad who basically failed me in my first class, but that's, I'm letting go of that. Loving God should be at the core of one's faith, but it is incomplete by itself. If one's love for God does not translate into love for neighbors near and far, or even worse, prevents one from loving neighbors, it is a facade designed to cover up indifference and hostility towards our neighbors. So how do we show our love? How do we, how do we generate our love? And how do we create memories that are defined by love that continues through generation after generation? When I first got to High Point, North Carolina, I saw signs all over in response to uh, a renovation campaign for downtown. And in January, there was this big thermometer of the many millions and millions of dollars that they needed to raise in order to complete this project. And it didn't take long, I would say close to March, they were 90% at that thermometer. And so signs came down and construction began. Millions and millions and millions of dollars were raised so quickly. And I asked someone, how is it that people would give to such things? Not me criticizing, but really wanting to know how and why people were giving to this. Many people wiser than I point out that giving is somewhat different in all places. And there are underlying reasons that we all give, and that's ingrained in us. But a lot of time, it depends on the culture around us that causes us to give. So I really wanted to know, why are people giving to restore this downtown place that most people won't even go be a part of? And when I asked a person they, they gave much to it. They looked at me like I was crazy. And they said, because I can see myself in it. I can see me and my children in the stadium. I, it is a vision that allows me to participate. And I won't hesitate to give to something that I can see myself in. So whether it is the, the large buildings being constructed or a stadium for a minor league baseball team or even different museums 
People gave because they could see themselves participating, acting, and being part of it. But on the flip side of that, if you look where people give the least, it is to drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers. Why? Because most people never plan to see themselves benefiting from one. So it made me wonder, maybe the church, the overall church has lacked some parts of vision. Yes, I know we have the whole part of Jesus making all things new, coming on back. And, but how do we create vision, not just for ourselves, but for our wider neighbors? How do we create memories? How do we create stories and narratives that include not just ourselves, but for the whole? And part of that is through our generosity. And a huge part of that is through our love. I, I, I can't speak for Megan, but she can tell me if I'm wrong right now or through an email. <laughs> but she continues to be part of this place, continues to take off of work to go to youth camp because it's a love. I can't speak for Marilyn Morgan and Mary Kay Jackman and Debbie Rampey and the many others who work with Friday Friends of being with a group of individuals who have lost so many of their memories, but each week coming to create new ones with them because of love. Whew, I, I, I can't speak for Candy and Shana and Allison, and Emily, and Rob, and Julie. I, I, I can't speak for Amy, but to come and be part of children's choirs and deal with the wiggles, it's because of love. And this love goes beyond ourselves and into the wider community, the whole, to making a vision that includes all of us into the grace and mercy and loving kindness of God, the beauty of community, the beauty of beloved community that sacrifices of self to get into the dirty, the hard work because it ain't easy to go out to protest, to go out to use our voice, to go out to write letters because of love a vision that can be created that is not that we just see ourselves in and it's not just who we see the people we like and go to the same grocery stores with that are in our same tribe, but we do this because of a love that expands to all race, all people, all nationalities, all religions, all individuals because it's what we have been called to do. That's, that's our love. And I know that when we talk about generosity, I know when we talk about giving, it's intimate just in the same way that love and emotions are intimate. 
I know that, that as soon as some of us leave here, we're going to look on our app and make sure our money is just where it is on Chase and Bank of America and all of those things. I know this is a, it's a touchy subject to talk about how we give and what we give to. But just think of the memories that we are creating, divined by a love that goes beyond ourselves. Continuing the beauty of the gospel that there is room for all and the challenge of the gospel too, to making sure that there is resources and equity and opportunities for all. That there is an act of justice in our generosity. Generosity. A few weeks ago, I was sitting with Mona Brown. And she was telling me how she went and saw a dear friend, Bob Hardy. I'm sure many of you sitting in these pews have had many memories with Bob and Anel Hardy. My favorite was Wednesday Bible studies, and I always sat at their table, and Bob would pat me on the back and whisper to me to tell me he would beat up anybody that was coming after me. <laughs> but if you knew Bob, he didn't have that type of bone in his body. He just smiled and was happy. Bob today is going through advanced dementia. And Mana was telling me how each time she sees Bob, he is so happy. And still going around to individuals in the place he is living to make sure they are happy and joyous. And loved too, whether he remembers it or not. Imana stated, I, I used to hear a lot that we, we die like we live. That as time continues to progress, as bodies begin to fail, as, as we come to those ends, that every bits of our beings begin to show. And my friends, what if we too were generous with our joy, like Bob? Generous with our love, generous with our smiles, generous with our talents, generous with our sacrifice, generous with our souls. Knowing that it will outlive all of us. My friends, may we live in love, and not that easy stuff. Amen.